Hi, I'm Rob Vanstone, and welcome to what I believe to be the 22nd, 23rd, higher than 21, uh, 24th edition, perhaps, of the Leader Post Rider Rumblings podcast. Murray, what number are we at? Uh, I'm going to go with 24. Okay. So if I'm wrong, it's your fault. 24 for Tom Campana. Yeah. So uh, lots of things to discuss this week. Uh, this is Murray McCormick, by the way. I'm, Hi. I'm uh, Rob Vanstone, I think. Um, I did not see that one coming. You saw it in person. Uh, was it any easier to comprehend in person than it was on television? Because uh, they played so well. Uh, one week after they being the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, one week after playing so dismally in Winnipeg, two road trips, two entirely different performances. I There's no way I saw that coming. And I, I don't know how many did. I was trying to think of how many times I've seen the Riders win in Calgary over my 10-year tenure, tenure career covering it. I like 10-year tenure. 10-year tenure covering the Rough Riders. And I, did to, I had something else to do and I gave up. But I'm still amazed at that. Like Zach Kolaris was an entirely different quarterback than he was. From that first pass to Shaq Evans, went, oh, he's on mark. He's on point. He's on mark. To the rest of the defense playing well, to every, I, I didn't see it coming. I thought Calgary was too good of a team to lose two in a row at home, and then to lose like that, the writers dominated them. And I think, you know, you, you did a good job in your column today posting, po- pointing can you, can you repeat that, please? <laughs> yeah, I'm having a tough time in my lips. Maybe I don't know what's going on. No, I was just, I wanted to hear the compliment again. Oh, okay, yeah. You did a good job in your column today. I did a good job in my column today. But, you know, I think, and, and they give you, I was reading a lot of stuff. A lot of people pointed out how well the writers played, and they deserve the kudos for that. Absolutely. Calgary's a tough place to go in and play. I don't know why. I don't know why they're all so tough, but they're just good most of the time. And they just weren't that. I mean, they came back. You know, the second half there was a the the, the, the uh, defense stubbed its toe for sure that they didn't play as well. But you know, they're still getting used to things. But boy, what a what an offensive display! The offensive line about oh no, here goes three sacks are going to be just one of these games, and then they buckle down. And yeah, after played. that third sack, it was like you're not getting yeah. near Zach Claros. And you know, I'm, I'm going to Claros say part, Claros. Claros. Mike Adams' pick in the end zone was like a huge. That's the TSN turning point, the leader post turning point, and we may look back as a season turning point if we can have a turning point this late in the season, especially but. if they finish first. Yes, that's a first place play. And what if a, they make that? And if, what a if, pick if by him! It went right through Eric Rogers' arms, and just even didn't have any room for air. Adam, sorry, it's Mike Adam. Adam. Adam it's Adam and it's Kalaros. Kalaros? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, geez. Ariel Zur of CGME asked Zach Kalaros specifically to pronounce the surname, and he specified that it isn't Kalaros, it's Kalaros. Well, I don't know if I can change that. Pretty hard to get this old dog to find a new trick. I'm just getting used to being You're still golf. working on Jovan Johnson. That's true, too. Yeah, that's a tough one. Whew. Sorry. But anyway, that's a good thought to keep well, in mind. Well, that's our show for this week. Yeah, that's where we're going to go. I'm still doing how to spell practice and practice. <laughs> yeah, I hate that one. That's enough. But what were we talking about? Football. Uh, football. Zach Kalaros, before Zach I totally Kalaros. took us in a different... That's the best game I've ever seen a quarterback play without throwing a touchdown pass. I know. Is that... <laughs> <laughs> that was so, outstanding. So can we still scratch our heads over why they can't score a touchdown pass? Where they, they had great drives. They had 15 play drives, 11 play drives, 9 play drives, uh, 4 play drives. They had not just really that good. And they had some two and other stuff. But Only they had two. Sustained drives, sustained success, if you can use that word on here. You need not, a trademark beside I that little that R. They were, they were more than moderately successful after getting their butts handed to them by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So what does that say? About the West Division now, if you had to do the rankings, would you still would you th- drop Calgary to third, the way things are right now? If you're looking at the West Division based on rankings and power points and all those. Winnipeg's kind of- playing very good football, and they just they're one week one week and a fraction removed from beating a Saskatchewan team that beat 
just beat just one in Calgary. I'm the same team that just lost in Winnipeg. So how do you figure it? But the team, the Riders have won a season series against Calgary for the first time since 2009. Uh, the then? Calgary's lost four four uh, games this season. Two of them have been to the Rough Riders. So how do you not, based upon just the way the teams are playing today, how do you not put the Riders on top of the list as far well, as teams that are playing well? Well, one B or one A is B C. That that game on Friday night was that a, is going to be yeah that third quarter is the third quarter we're going to go back on holy smokes I, I was at at a uh, local Calgary establishment watching that trying to, these guys were chatting I'm trying to watch his third quarter and watch Travis Lully just dissect them and Devere Posey having a big game and going why what is, this is not an Eskimos team that's not the evil empire anymore they're kind of like mediocre empire no, right now and just it's that's a mess that's a mess and it's the whole, play now, the whole playoff thing is a mess which is kind of fun like it's you and I are both in good moods which is a pretty rare thing because usually we're you know you're usually half asleep and I'm always cheerful but both because when the riders win and they win like that it's just a better city to be in isn't it and especially I this time of year Mer, like um, pardon my itchy ear um, this time of year when when the team's doing well, people get excited. There's a yep. buzz. You feel like there's more of an appetite for all things football, and that includes what we do. So yeah. I, I don't think it's 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 detrimental to our interest for them to to do well. But suddenly people are asking, exactly, how are they going to do? How yeah. far are they going to go? Are they going to get first? Are they going to get a home playoff game? The debate as far as the hierarchy atop the power rankings is yep. is, is certainly includes the Rough Riders. Whether you put them or Calgary or Winnipeg or BC in that, yeah. up, you know, whatever order you put them in, in the, in, in that upper echelon it's, and, and look how that's flipped. That script has flipped. Don't ever try to say that. Flip script. Look how that's changed in a week. Well, how about a week? How about since last Tuesday? Yeah. Or when, uh, Tuesday. Imagine if they'd gone in there and lost without Charleston Hughes and what this week would have been like with another, cause it kind of doesn't gloss his old gloss over what would happen with Charles Hughes and being uh deactivated is another word but if they had lost it'd just be it'd be the conversation again i think and being a fine journalist that i am i kind of forgot to ask him about it on saturday <laughs> night i'm sorry about that but it, it wasn't the story no it was, it was more the ship sailed i i yeah. well, didn't mind it i i suspended you for three days because of it you just found out but well, aside from that i'd rather be deactivated you're deactivated all right good because i need the weekend week off uh, i just want to say uh, a lot of people have asked me about Charleston Hughes still low. I still get talked a lot about that, and I think the riders did the right thing. But one uh, one guy I was talking today made a very good point. You're asking coaches whose jobs aren't on the line to be ethical and morally right, and that's a pretty hard thing to do. And I'm not saying it's wrong, but that's this is their livelihood. And when you're asking Chris Jones, and Chris Jones is not going to say that, but his job is on the line, and he wants to have the very best players in there. What society might think is he was very cognizant of, but it's a big ask for guys to do that. And I th- do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, it, it, it is. A, it's a it's a tough it's a dilemma for a, for a coach from two standpoints. One, you're telling him to win, but yep. you're telling him to that might be a good idea to sit the sit someone who's leading the league in quarterback sacks. Yep. So that's that's a contradictory. Uh, and there's no policy in place. And there's I, no as, policy. As far as there's no policy in place, hang on. There's a societal policy. And it's just a charge and an it's allegation at this stage, too. But so it's still a charge and allegation, but there's society involved. I don't know what happened to me if I got caught with impaired driving and failing to provide a breast. I don't know what the leader post would do to me. I hope I never, ever have to find out. And I, I would think the embarrassment, and I think that was a word that Charleston Hughes that I found of a lot of the things he said was embarrassed. And I think if anybody's been ever caught for DUI with that stuff, I think the embarrassment of 
telling your wife, telling your kids, telling your coworkers, and your name's all over the paper. And I think that's a really hard thing. So uh, I talked to some of the players, and I talked about lessons learned. And they, they don't really want to talk about the actual situation. They wanted to talk about the general feeling of, hey, if you drink and drive, there's options out there, folks. There's first choice. There's other things. If you're pulled over on the side of the road and you're non-responsive, I think you've already gotten yourself in trouble by then. So uh, kudos for the riders for doing the right thing. Kudos to Chris Jones uh, standing up on Friday and answering every question. I think uh, I was impressed. He was on point. He knew what he was going to say. He, We can argue about whether saying that this, you know, football should be the head of all this stuff because I think society issues do take the part of football, and that was a pretty big yeah. issue. I don't I don't agree with it, what he said. But. He said it was a sad state of affairs that, were, yeah. that this is being discussed. Okay. Sorry. Um, like, it's the day before a game in Calgary – a place where Charleston Hughes had starred for the better part of 10 seasons. Yeah. Charleston Hughes was going to be a story even if this exactly. hadn't happened. Charleston yeah. Hughes is playing his first game in Calgary, so people are going to be talking and writing about him anyway. Yeah. The circumstances being what they are, the timing being what it is, the the fact that it took two days to, to get yeah. from, from first discussing the situation publicly to making the decision, uh, the fact that there was some delay there, contributed to that because that story could have blown over on a Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah, so think... it's 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 somewhat naive to say this should this shouldn't yeah. be a big deal on that day, especially when that's the same day that the team puts out a statement. Exactly. The team itself puts out a statement. I know I thought... So that the team set the agenda as much as anything. I think that's shooting the messenger more than it is the messages out there. And the same token I think uh you know their team stood up and they made that right call and I do I still think they made the right call. I think it's Somehow you're in that position. You're in the position of a th- of a celebrity, and that happens. You're you've got to. There has to be consequences. There has to be a consequence. And you look at. I thought of it from a football standpoint. Even if you you extract the legalities from the situation, Chris Jones said earlier in the year that he's going to rest Charleston Hughes, rest some of the older players <laughs> okay. on occasion, and they've done that with the defensive backs, for example. Yep. Now, his production, Charleston Hughes's production, had been down in recent weeks. He's turns 35 in, in a couple of months. So here's a chance to, albeit against a very good opponent, here's a chance to give him that rest. Now, suppose that the, the matter is heard in the courts at the end of October and the riders had waited until then to issue any discipline on that. Yeah, it would have been a playoff game. Then, then, you, then you're talking about sitting out playoff games if it's resolved in, 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 a, in, a, in, in a manner that has some finality. So... Instead of facing the possibility of him not playing in the playoffs, if you're going to issue the sanctions, the discipline, then they've got it out of the way. If, they, if the riders were to come out or were to come out this week and say Charleston Hughes is playing against BC, I don't think there'll be any objections. They've already handled it; it's done. And the yeah. bonus is they won without him. That's so a good that point. that that one is they've they've just taken care of that, and it's not going to be in the ether. And people aren't going to be asking this week is, if is Charleston Hughes going to play. People aren't going to be asking going into the playoffs. What about Charleston Hughes? They've removed the entire distraction factor by dealing with it immediately. That's the biggest thing, and they coach, won. What's there's no downside to any of this. The biggest thing a coach can do when a player has had that kind of thing is take away the opportunity to play. Because they all want to play. From the time they were old enough to walk, they want to play the game. To take the game away from them is a huge disciplinary thing. And I know people say, well, what's one game? What's half a game check? Well, it's one game and it's half a game check to a guy who lives his life to play the game. So I think it was appropriate to take away. I don't know about two games. I haven't sorted out if he should play this weekend again in my mind. I'm thinking maybe... I think they've handled it. I think yeah. let them play. Maybe okay. They've handled it. Well, you let's... Know? 
before we get, let's move on to the game, I think. Because I think I'm so looking forward to Saturday. This is, this is I've been waking all week for Saturday night. If I can still carry Underwood's thunder a little bit. Well, it's it's like a home playoff game. It's it's like a virtual home playoff game. Yeah. You win and you've got a home playoff game. So it's got that that feel to it. Remember the end of the eighty of the uh, 2009 season where the Riders had to play Calgary to yeah. determine first place, and that ultimately led them to playing Calgary again. Yeah. It's like that bonus game at the end of the regular season. And that has that week. playoff feel. And then a bye weekend. And no matter, and really, the problem is, well, you've looked at the playoff. They can drop. They can still drop. They don't think they can go east. They, 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 they can go one, two, or three. One, two, or three. They can't go east. So they still went to the, what, a, what an amazing situation. And get, tell you as I said earlier, the Lions are playing well. Wally is, this is a swan song that may go down for the ages. Wally Bono can go out as a winning head coach in his last year. And the guys went so, done so well in so many things that, it's going to be like in BC, their defense Didn't that happened in 2011. <laughs> That's true too, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, he did. Sorry. Yeah. It's like Frank Sinatra with the retirement. Yeah. But BC's defense is playing very, very well. Uh, Travis Lule, as I said, that third quarter was just amazing. And they're they're the team that, you know, Jamie Nye from CJME mentioned a few weeks back, watch out for BC. And I'm becoming more and more part of Jamie Nye's thinking on watch out for BC because BC's scoring compared to what the Riders are doing. I know the Riders were we're saying accolades for Zach and all those guys, but they still didn't score a touchdown. Well, they got two touchdowns offensively. Two after, yeah, they didn't score. Yeah. And they, the one to Patrick Lavoie, who's well, great. Who's great. I think he's one of my favorite rider players of all time oh, already. What a great player. What a great player. What a great... Does so a, many things. What a great trade. Like, I'm thinking people are talking about when is a great trade. I can't remember a trade having an impact on the season. Like, Philip Blake, too, is a big trade, too. Yeah. That, you know, they needed that, and they got those two guys, and they gave up nothing. Yeah. So great. a second rounder in 2020, yeah, and Josh Stanford, and who, then Darius Darius Bladek, Bladek goes down. Yeah. So the timing of it, it was a good trade even before Bladek got. Can hurt. I ask you this question? And I hope no. you put it in the right context. But where does Brendan Labatt rank amongst Riders' offensive linemen? There's been some great ones. You know, we're thinking Roger Aldag, Jeremy O'Day, Vic, uh, Gino. Is Denim Ted, Ted Ernest, Ted Ernest, Jack Abinchan, Al Benesik. There's a lot of Hall of Famers in there. But where does Brendan Labat? Brendan Labat, I'm thinking, is almost near the top of the list now because of his versatility, his leadership, the way he plays the game, everything he does. I'm just yeah. wondering if we're seeing, if we're getting an opportunity to see maybe the best. I think ever. we're talking about a Hall of Famer here. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah. he's there's four four riders to have been named the most outstanding offensive lineman in the league, and he's one of them. Andrew Green, yeah, Andrew uh, Green, Roger Aldag, Gene Makowski. So that all that automatically puts him on a pedestal. There's a there's been a lot of fine offensive linemen in the history of this franchise, so it's it's tough to pick out yeah. the who's better if you look at Aldag, if you look at Makowski, if you look yeah. at Brendan Labatt. One of the common denominators is they're all from Saskatchewan. Well, I think and Scott Flory, yeah, you know, yeah. just got into the Hall of Fame, and there's another offensive lineman from Saskatchewan from from Regina. I'm throwing out what he did on Saturday. He As a had leader, Philip Blake, and he had Josiah St. John, two guys that are new to the offensive line, and he's playing center and he's calling all the plays and he's watching what they're doing because we talked to him. Going, I'm thinking, holy, what more can this one guy do for this team? Like we yeah. talk about Adam's pick. You know, and I that was a Sean Evans Shaq Evans had some good games too, but what a what a, a guy in the middle controlling, doing everything he can and he plays injured and he plays all the time. So Gene Mikowski used to do it. Gene, Gene Mikowski that he played all over. He too. played all over due to injuries or whatever. I mean, whatever yeah. they needed to put him. And he was yeah. good at every position. But And uh, he's so good to talk to and I'll let people know about this over thing. We talked to Brendan. 
after losses because he's so eloquent and so smart. So I always go up to him after wins and I say, Brendan, I always ask you for something after a loss. Let's talk about after a win. And he always appreciates that. He says, that's appreciate. That's because yeah. we... Because it's, I hate to admit it, so you take it behind the uh, the door of a journalist, but we have our go-to guys who are, we know are going to provide well, some insights into things. I remember once upon a time, the Pats, Regina Pats had a goalie named Mike Risdale, and he had a couple of good years. And then in 91-92, the Pats struggled down the stretch and ended up just missing the playoffs. And in a game where they had to defeat Brandon to sustain their playoff hopes, they struggled, lost, and Mike Risdale had another bad game. And every time I went and sat next to him, in the dressing room, he would answer my questions. He Oftentimes, it'd be 20 minutes after the game, and he'd still have his equipment on, and he would answer every question. He was an amazing person. The next year, Mike Risdale back as a 20-year-old. The Pats got hot in the playoffs, got to the 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 conference final against Swift Current. One of the major reasons they got as far as they did was Mike Risdale, and I kept that in mind, the same yeah. thing that you keep, keep in mind with Brendan Labatt. Any, any chance you get to talk to Mike Risdale... Or Brendan Labatt after yep. victory, you do it because they've stood there. They've they've taken the the, yep. the tough questions. They've talked to you when that's probably the last thing on earth they want to yep. do, but they realize it's an obligation and it's part of the gig. And they they accept it. They don't have to like it, but they accept it and they do it and yep. it's done. And the kind of credibility that Brendan Labatt exhibits doing everything, yep. I think, another, is every bit as laudable as anything he does anything he does on the field. Another what I'm going to say is Stephen McAdoo gets a lot of. A lot of criticism for the offense is done, but I'll give him credit. We've talked to him three or four times this year, and he stood up and answered the questions. Are they the best questions? Now we can argue about that, but he said the last one I talked to him last week, he goes, I'm only here because I won't get fined. I don't know <laughs> if he was joking, but we kind of, and then he proceeded to provide some insights in the way the offense is. And it's always when the offense is doing not too well. Yeah. Mind you, there was a story we did earlier when they got off to a hot start, but we kind of talked to him a little bit, but another guy that can stand up there too, and I know people are very critical of him, and rightfully so. It is a kind of boring, conservative, vanilla offense. But at least sometimes uh, Steve McAdoo will let you inside there to kind of let you know what he's thinking. Well, about the a year ago, there wasn't much talk about Stephen McAdoo. People rarely mentioned his name. Guess why? They threw 35 touchdown yeah. passes and they led the league. It was the same system. It was the same offensive coordinator. But what has changed since... Since 2017, the quarterbacks have changed. Yeah. Uh, they had three 1,000-yard receivers who are no longer there. So is it? I'm not sure. It, I think what it tells me, it's not so much the system. The system has worked in Edmonton where they won a great yeah. cup. It worked in 2017 here. It hasn't been working for the most part this season. What's the difference? Stephen, denominate, Stephen McAdoo is a common denominator, yeah. but it, there's also a lot of success attached to his name. So why isn't it working now if it... It, I think there's a lot of evidence to suggest it isn't the coach. There's a lot of evidence to suggest that it's it's the it's players. A it's, a talent, it's the talent of the players. I'm going to take us into another session here a little bit. Riders going on the bye week after this. They could have. What do you think of that? What do you think of going on a bye? I love it. I, I don't know. Now, if they get first place. They're off for two <laughs> weeks. And, two weeks. And I, I jokingly asked Chris Jones one day, you ever heard of a team getting, you know, quinking first place and having third, having a couple weeks off and doing well after that? And looked at me and says, ha, yeah, remember 15? Because that's what Edmonton did. They finished first. But I don't think anybody ever says, criticizes rest at any point of the season. This rest time versus year rest. They need the, they're, they, they've played, I think, is it 11 weeks? I think 11 yeah, or 12. They had two bye weeks in the summer, and I think it was 11 oh, after those, that. Those summer bye weeks. Let me just have a second. Okay. <laughs> <It's been laughs> Birds 11. are chirping. Birds are chirping. Golf courses are beckoning. You can uh, still get around in. 
I could, I could. But you're here doing this podcast. I'm here doing loyal it on my on my day. Yeah. Part. This is your servitude. We do appreciate yeah. it. So there's a bye week, and then they could have another week, or they could. So I I kind of like the bye week. I think it's you know sketch. Someone's got to get it. Someone has to have it, and then teams. But Chris Jones, there's anybody because he's got the same staff that managed to go through that bye week, and then they uh, bye in the playoffs to win a great cup. So they must know what they're doing. And this time of year, uh, it's it's. I mean, you're playing. You've had an entire year and a stretch of eleven straight weeks with a game with injuries to accumulate. Even if players are playing, they probably aren't uh, doing that well physically. It's 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 just a, it's a it's a grind. So, would you rather have another week to recuperate when the alternative is playing on a cold day in November? Yeah. Uh, any extra week you can get for Damon Roosevelt is huge. I mean, he'll play as soon as the playoffs start. I, yeah. I imagine, but to get to have a benefit of another week before he plays, that would be immensely beneficial for the Rough Riders. So, so yeah, it's interesting. His Marcus game. Thigpen looked a week ago like he was just a tired football yeah, player. So just, maybe it's another week for his older guy. We question that a little bit about Chris resting these veterans and thinking, what's the point? But boy, maybe Joe Van Johnson will come in with fresh legs and Cameron Marshall shows that he's still a pretty darn good running back. Arguably, maybe the best on the roster. I, th- I still think. I've always I don't remember looked. him running that well last year. Oh, he did run. I remember. I don't th- remember him being quite that punishing last oh, yeah, year. He was that way. I do remember that. I've always kind of admired the way he plays, and I love the way he blocks. He just he blocks the guys, and I've always found that way. And he's what a great pair of legs. You know, like uh, Mason and Thigpen have both kind of had their moments, but. Boy, I think if Cameron Marshall's healthy now, and even last year, that's a Jen- good November style running back. Isn't yeah, it? He, I think the last year he was he wasn't that healthy, and then he got kind of bumped out because uh, what's his name Richardson and who is it? Thigpen kind of took over. I think uh, there's a motivated Cameron Marshall who's looking to lay down the law and maybe uh, Mar- Marshall Law. Marshall Law, how's that? Eh? So I think maybe that's a, a good sign. And hey. We got a whole week of happy, happy, happy thoughts. Hopefully, nobody does anything too stupid that comes up. That in includes courts. us in the courts, yeah. And then, uh, big game on a Saturday night. I hope it's it's going to be warm and cozy for us in the press box. I send warm thoughts to the fans out in the stands well, you, on you, that day. You look at Cameron Marshall, and on the second and sixteen pass to Jordan Williams Lambert uh, on the final possession, yeah. that was a massive play. Cameron Marshall took care of a blitzer. I remember that Wolf play. Blitzer. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was the key block. I was trying to think of that play. And, I was, uh, I and that down. gave Zach Kalaros, 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 um, Shlemiel, Shlemazel, Austin Pfeffer Incorporated. Tomato, remember Laverne potato. and Shirley? Yeah. Um, that gave Zach Kalaros time to throw the ball. That the the, yeah. um, the, 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 the They were facing six-man pressure, and, and uh, Cameron Marshall picked up that, that six-man. coming off the end. Yeah, just right around, the, and he just t- neutralized him. You look at the difference the week before, when Adam Big Hill was coming around the corner and Trey Mason wanted no part of that whatsoever. So there's yeah. a difference right there, having yeah. Cameron Marshall. There's no stat for that, nope. except for a 21-yard reception by Jordan Williams-Lambert that pretty much won them the game. I know we're going over here a little bit. Jordan We've only Williams. got 45 minutes left. Jordan Williams is having a season two, eh? Like, what a guy. There's a guy who bounces back from a, an injury, has something to prove. He's making catches. And I always find they call him hands catchers. And I always want to say, what does he catch with his feet? But remember I, BK Williams? Yeah, I know you tell me that one too because he <laughs> was always gut. with his gut. So, and I asked Jones about that, and he talked about he compared him to Nick Lewis and uh, guys like that who catch their hands. And Ray Algard would always. Yeah, and, he's, it. and it gives you, I think it gives you sort of room to make errors too, and you can yeah. do that. And he's such a big, strong leg. He's some guy on the plane asked me, "Who's your rookie of the year?" And I said, "No doubt in there's my no mind." Doubt. And he, he made well. Unfortunately, there's a 12-year-old kicker, so I like that line in Ottawa. And it was going to be the outstanding rookie of the year. 
doesn't matter what happens to anybody else, but Jordan Williams is going to probably throw. I think out of the West, he's probably going to be in the running. He's got to be. I mean, it's a leading receiver, leading rookie receiver. He had 51 yards after the catch. Oh, I know. That, I that catch that he made when they began the drive on the six-yard line wasn't so much the catch, but Brady broke two tackles to I get know. 25 yards when they're beginning at their final possession on their six. Yeah. And he's uh, just... What a tremendous player. That, and you, that's the guy who's going to get 1,000 yards year after year. And you come in there and you meet him in the locker room. He's just so darn happy. And I hate this all the time. He's happy to talk to us, happy to talk football. And I know people, interactions are important in our job. We kind of like, it's kind of nice to be going there and have a conversation with a guy like two human beings and not as a reporter and a, an athlete. It's kind of a nice change every now and again. We like to see that kind of stuff. Rob, do they have to change anything? We'll wrap it up. Do they have to change anything for BC? What do they got to do, buddy? Well, you they, be the coach. <laughs> <laughs> there's so much of what they did this past week has to be continued. And, and that's the only real lingering question is, okay, yeah. the, there was such a change in performance from one week to the next when you look at the Winnipeg game as opposed to the Calgary game. How do you guard against the pendulum swinging again? I know. That's the interesting one. There's uh, Charles Hughes is going to be one of the issues this week. I see no reason uh, not to play him. He's served his punishment. Um, but BC is going to be a interesting opponent. They haven't seen BC since the summer, and that's a that's a different team that they're, they're six playing. Six and one since then, I think six or seven. I'm sorry, but they're only two and six on the road. I know that's, that's a, where they can be had. Yeah, that's but they're they, it's a, the two teams of the Riders. We talk about two teams in different. The Riders are also since they played BC have have they were in a roll because they beat Calgary before that game. But since they played BC, they've only lost a couple of games. So they've you have two teams that are rolling that are playing well. Well. But BC's been a little more consistent, I think. They, they haven't had the ups and downs. They haven't had the Winnipeg game. Mind you, they've had some pretty bad road games. You asked but, me to play coach a bit a little bit. I'm surprised that a team that, that emphasizes the run as much as this team does doesn't do more play action. Yeah. You know, they they, they went largely with a five-man front. Sometimes they, they augmented it with a six, that usually big Patrick Lavoie. But they lined up with five guys on the front most of the time. What if they were lined up, lined up with two tight ends, and give Zach Kalaros even more protection and throw a bit more play action into that. Yeah. I think that could be a real weapon. Maybe it's something they're saving because Maybe. you look at uh, you look at some of the other teams and, and how often they use play action, how effective Winnipeg uses play action with with Andrew Harris. That that's what set up yeah. the Darvin Adams touchdown in Winnipeg uh, the game before last. So Riders don't use that that much. If their if their running game continues to be a threat like it has been. Yeah, maybe that's something that they they can uh, use effectively. That's my yeah. coaching one on one one on one seminar today, and it's I'm totally qualified go to say that. that. What does it say about the CFL? The way the playoffs are, does it say there's such parity that that they can't decide everything over an 18 game season? They may have to go over. This, you can make a good case for five or six teams to win a Grey Cup. What if Hamilton was healthy? Oh yeah, they've lost Brandon Banks now. That was a big that's having a big already one. lost. Terrence Tolliver, uh, having already lost Jalen Saunders. Yeah. What if Hamilton had what a if full... Cal- what if Calgary was healthy? Receivers? Yeah. You know, they, you look at their receivers. Darrell Walker and Edmonton. Yeah. Always been what some... if Winnipeg had, had Weston Dresser all year? Yeah. You know? So. so is it good to be this tight? Or do you think... Oh, just... it's fun. <laughs> this is this is so much fun. It's yeah. Especially when you and I covered the 2014 riders oh. when the second half of the... After, after, after Darian got hurt, forget it. 2015... They, they were 0-9. Yeah. Uh, 2016, they started off 1-10. So last year was a lot of fun. I yeah. found a great pizza slice place in Ottawa. Um, this is going to be a lot of fun wherever the path takes us, and most specifically you. I think that's going to be an interesting, <laughs> compelling 
next month. I'm I'm really pumped about it. And you need some excitement in your football life when you're a Denver Broncos fan right now. Yeah, the Steelers had the bye week, so I wouldn't need anything. But the Steelers are coming back, and we're looking tough. Levani Bell, Le'Veon Bell, whatever happens to him, I don't care about him anymore. Some guy asked me, he said, do you cheer for the Steelers? Asked me which team I cheer for. I said, Janice says, how come you don't brag about it like Rob? Because we're good. We're always good. How many Super Bowls the Steelers won? <laughs> <laughs> I think Never more than Denver. Denver's been in more of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, uh, well. Oh, hang on. Can oh, I read it? Or do you've, you want got to, you've got to read this. This is uh, right on. from the top. Do you want to read it in my breathless Mary Monroe voice? No, I'll just read it in Murray voice. Please rate us on iTunes and leave a review. It helps us grow the podcast. Or podcast. What do you think? Podcast? Kalaros. Kalaros and Edom. No, Adam. Adam. Kalaros. Kalaros, Adam, Bladek, Jovan Johnson. Darius. 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 It's a whole world. Of, someone's asked me grammar today. I keep saying practice and practice, which is a word that doesn't. Well, we Judging by this podcast, <laughs> we need more practice. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, think, I think that's a C. For Murray McCormick, I'm... Rob Vanstone, unfortunately, and thanks for being with us. We'll do this again uh, next week. Take care.